Hello and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. So, hello folks and welcome to yet another episode from the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales success. I'm Simon Hazeldean and as always, I am joined in the studio by Mr. Graham Jones and Mr. Phil Jessen for another action-packed episode. This episode is called Why You Must Split Your Forecast Reviews from Your pipeline reviews. So I'm kicking this one off. So let me just start off with a a definition. Um, I think all successful sales professionals keep an eye on how they're doing, how their revenue is coming in versus whatever plan they have in place versus their sales target, Graham. I know you do like talking about sales targets Mm -hmm. as every available opportunity and why we shouldn't have them. He's twitching twitching again. Check check out the episode on sales targets, becoming a bit of an infamous (laughs) one to mention isn't it so a a forecast or a forecast review that a sales manager or sales leader would conduct is business that is currently forecast to be closed within whatever the sales period you were looking at typically that will be a quarter or a month or potentially by year end where a pipeline review is a review of all opportunities at whatever stage they are at at whatever timeline they are forecast to come in. Forecast shorter time period frame of reference, pipeline review longer term frame of reference. And the um, theory I'm espousing and offering is if you don't separate the two, you will always be talking about the near future and longer term pipeline development gets neglected. So it's important to do both, but it's also very important to separate those to unstick your thinking from yeah. one or the other. This would, by the way, would apply if you're a sales manager doing coaching around these, but also if you're an individual sales contributor. Also, if you don't get this support from your sales manager, put this discipline in yourself. Mr. Jones. Well, I was going to say that you know one of the things that focuses people's minds on that short-term forecast position rather than thinking about the long-term pipeline is because their sales directors and their sales managers have forced them into that thinking by setting them sales targets. And so if they hadn't set those targets, they would be able to think more abstractly, more globally about things. I knew, so, you'd, I knew you'd get that so, in somewhere. So having the, so the need is to build sales and build business and grow the business and get more money in and all of that. So some of that is going to be the short term and some of it is going to be the long term. But if we focus the minds of our teams on the short term through whatever mechanisms we're using, it might not be sales targets, it might be all kinds of other things. But if we focus people's needs, so for example in the CRM system, it will have little pie charts and graphs and so on showing how we're doing at the moment, which focuses people's minds on the short term and not on that pipeline. And I think this is um, borne out from my experience. If I ask, if I'm working with sellers, with salespeople or account managers and I ask the question, how far in advance in the future do you and your line manager normally have conversations about? Mm. They'll say rarely longer than a month, definitely no more than a quarter. You ask that question of sales managers if we're doing some, say, sales coaching workshop, 
how far in advance are you asking questions? Uncomfortable silence normally. Yeah. It's it's not much further out. Now I'm not criticising that because you have to focus on the short term and getting things closed by the sales period, but not totally and exclusively. And your point's absolutely right. If you keep asking them about the next six weeks, they're going to focus on the yep. next six weeks. So what you focus on, they focus absolutely. on, and it becomes habitual. Then doesn't yep. it? You know, you start every new sales period with a mad scrabble to try to find out what's what's in the pipeline, which has now become the forecast. Yeah, for but the, it, for it, the it then means that your staff, if they if you're having a monthly meeting, you know, they turn up at the monthly meeting. If you focus them on the next six weeks, they will prepare everything for that meeting. You know, oh, so-and-so, he's going to ask me about the next six weeks. So you'll come to that meeting planned and prepared for the next six weeks with giving no thought to the next 18 months. So, yeah, I, I, I think I um, will often talk to account managers, particularly I think this applies to people, key accounts, managing larger customers, maybe more complex business, is to have some short-term forecast objectives, but then have some, and you choose the time scale depending on your industry, but medium and longer term, where where might you want to take your share in this account, your share of wallet in 12, 24, 36 it's months. It's often the longer-term time frame, isn't it, that has the better quality, yes. strategic game-changer yep. customers in it. But, of course, yeah. salespeople are nowhere near it because of the pressures that Graham's already mentioned. But one, mm. one of the important things, you mentioned CRM systems, one of the important things is to use that properly because yes. the data in there will allow you to look at that pipeline because you know what CRM stands for, don't you? Yeah. I think I know what it's supposed to What's stand it supposed for. But, I to think... stand for? but it, it stands for can't read minds. Yeah, and you <laughs> you can't read minds. You can only look at data to find yeah. out what these companies are interested in in the longer term. And so you're often what CRM systems have is a lots of data about the present and not enough data about that pipeline. So yeah. the more conversations you have with people, the more data you're collecting, the more your CRM system can help you look forward to that longer pipeline. Whereas most CRM systems just help people with the present, and that's not good. It's not a, it's not really helping you grow and develop your business. As a slight aside as well, I think the way sales managers behave with CRM sometimes creates what I would call maybe dysfunctional behaviour. Yeah. Is you are you are deterring your salespeople from honestly entering all of their opportunities if they're being unfairly harassed to push things forward that shouldn't be being pushed forward and. Oh, it looks very likely it's going to come in, and and, they'll, and the boss will then say, right, well, let's declare that one then, and it's not it's it's likely to come in. It's not definitely going yeah. to come in, and then you just encourage sort of what's called sleeving or sandbagging activity, where people keep it, the the very valuable data that you need to do yeah. your sales analytics properly out of the CRM system. Yeah. So I think it's about intelligent managing of the opportunities, not sort of hustling someone to get something closed. I think from, a, from the director's point of view, it's about creating a an environment, isn't it, where there's openness and honesty. Yes. It's not about creating a pressure environment where people are just reaching for little words and phrases that they think the boss wants to hear. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, and it does. And I know we were joking about, you know, the episode on should you or should you not have sales targets, but it is exactly the pressure of the target that will sometimes force that sort of yeah. non-helpful behaviour. Just yeah. on that point, because, uh, you know, Graham has uh, mentioned this before, but th there will be some of our sales directors listening who will say, well, hang on a minute, guys, get real here. 
there is a defined amount of money that we need to bring in to keep this business alive. We know to the pound what it is because of our costs. And if there's a defined amount of money we need coming in, and there's a defined number of people in the sales team, then divide one by the other, and that's the target. So how would you react to that individual? Well, I, I would say it's a bit like this. You know, you, you, Let's say your business costs £1,000 to run, and so you say, well, what we want is, you know, typically in our sector there's a margin of 50%, so what we need is £1,500. And so if we go £1,500, we're at our margin, so we'll set a target of £1,600 to get the money in. And so everybody focuses on that extra five or six hundred pounds above the minimum of a thousand pounds. Whereas if you don't do that, they bring in five thousand. So when you give people much more freedom, they do many more things because all they're interested in doing is selling more. They're not worried about the figures, they're not worried about the numbers. And so if we focus on, you know, how much it costs and how much we want to make of it and we set a target according to the sector, we limit people's ability to sell. And I think that that they're limited because we focus on your forecast figures rather than the pipeline figures. What's interesting um, is, is I think I, I had an experience of working as a salesperson and we had a, we had a boss who was very fond of the concept and of, of a target and then what he called a stretch target. So the target would be a realistic, fair chance of achieving it upon which a certain percentage of your sales but uh, bonus was was based and it, it we did a it used to do a bottom-up process get us to do a bottom-up piece of work and try to get as close as possible and we'd have a little bit of a negotiation but then he would put in a stretch and say okay that that's where we're going to aim but if you go up here then you get some additional bonus and what was interesting was as people started to think about stretch Lots of people started overshooting and headed and heading in that direction because I think the cap was sort of lifted off, if you like, off the off the target. And it was interesting. So you did, and people were more happy to have ambitious conversations if they weren't penalised on the back of those conversations, which I think is, is it, interesting. It, it's interesting, isn't it? That you know, we just recently had the um, marathon run in less than two hours. Yeah. And even just a couple of years ago, people were saying that would be impossible. Uh, and yet all they did was use a bit of technology, putting the green line in front of the runner as he ran. So he was chasing that green line all the time. And he, we were able to stretch the target of people being able to run things. So it's perfectly possible. You know, years ago, you'd never run a four-minute mile. It, when you stretch people, they can actually achieve more than they think. And one of the things that I don't know this study's been done, but I can predict the answer because we know it, we know about it in terms of goal setting that people have. But if we if we were to ask salespeople when they've reached their target, could they have sold more? They're bound to say yes, they could have done. So actually, what's happening is people end up being disappointed with their own performance because we don't stretch them enough. So you're boss is stretching people yeah. to into more of your pipeline area and not your forecast area and then they feel more satisfied with their job so as a sales director we want to keep our sales staff and the one reason people leave is because they're dissatisfied with their boss so if their boss is setting them unrealistic targets that's unrealistic because they would be dissatisfied 
actually you're going to leave. So actually you're going to end up employing people who don't sell enough in the first place. Well, I think he was probably one of the smartest bosses I've worked for as a salesperson because he encouraged a culture of being very ambitious yeah. and of honesty. We used to have honest conversations, very honest business review conversations, less you know, nonsense being done to sort of pad pad your position and all of that. And I'm so glad to know that the marathon under two hours was all the result of technology because took me four hours and 40 minutes to run mine, so I'm glad to know he was cheating with technology. Yeah, but you didn't nothing, have... Nothing down to his superior ability as an athlete. You didn't have a green line in front of you, did you? <laughs> that was your problem. I would have shaved two hours yeah, and but, 41 but, minutes off my yeah, time. Well, if really, there was just a little green line in front of you all the way around, you'd have got around much faster. And the in my in my dreams. No, I, <laughs> I can guarantee you would have done. A bit faster, yeah. You would have gone a bit. You may have not done it in two hours, no. but you would have gone a bit faster. I think I would. I would possibly blow up if I tried to run a marathon. Is that that, that incredible? <laughs> incredible. Um, thing maybe to have a think about for slightly longer term is is the acronym MOST, which kind of stands for mission. What's your longer term vision or mission for the accounting market share share of wallet? penetration of products and services, divisions, countries, etc. Go go that little bit further, 12, 24, 36 months. Have a have a little brainstorm. Think about what might be possible. Think about what objectives spaced out across those years might look like, what strategies you would need to employ and what tactics you would need to put in place a bit further down. So, you know, go out a bit further sort of begin with the end in mind like Stephen Covey would say often get account managers key account managers doing that on workshops and seminars and it can be a very fruitful to just unstick your thinking from the next three six twelve months and think a bit further in the accounts mop up more of the mop up more of the business the other thing you can do is use artificial intelligence for all this because that can be looking when you look at what people are searching for, the kind of things they're clicking on, the Google trends of things, you can see over time how things are changing. And you can get all of that data into your yeah. uh, CRM and look at all that artificial intelligence and see where things are going so that you're planning ahead depending upon you know the length of your pipeline and your sales cycle. But you can use all that data from social media. and We, we know, for example, that Twitter is better at predicting the incidence of heart attacks than the current World Health Organization mathematical models. And that's simply because of the way we write things on Twitter. And so the, there are various studies that show it's much better at predicting. So that artificial intelligence of just the way people type on Twitter tells us the likelihood of heart attacks Incredible. happening. And so you can use all of that and you can plan your future pipeline by collecting that data and seeing the way things are going. I had a cautionary tale from one of my IT clients, an account manager went in to see a CIO, Chief Information Officer, uh, sorry, CTO, Chief Technology Officer in this case, and um, asked the question, so what is keeping you awake at night? Obviously looking for a bit of pain. To which the response was, why don't you go away and come back when you tell me what should be keeping me awake at night? Thank you very much. And showed in the door. Yeah. And exactly, if you came in and said, how are you going to be planning on dealing with these trends or these things? Then, yeah. you're, having a, then you're having a 12, 24-month conversation Quite. a lot longer, yeah. isn't it? It automatically, yeah. automatically uh, happens. Um, you mentioned, though, we're talking about 12, 24, 36. You mentioned you'd be reading that, and I also have read this book, The 12-Week Year. The 12-Week Year, which yeah. is a, a... Enlighten Our Readers. It's a great book. It's a great book, and it, it, it's really getting you to focus much more in doing things in a, a shorter frame because it's really saying... 
you're a bit out of control at what's going to happen in 12 months' time. Mm. And so 12 weeks, if you condense your year into 12 weeks, you've got much more control over things. And so if you look at things, rather than looking at a quarter as a quarter of the year, you look at a quarter as the entire year, as it were, as the quarter. And so you're not thinking about how that influences the second quarter or the third quarter or the fourth quarter because they're seen as discrete individual years. You don't worry about this year and its impact in four years' time. You're worried about this year. So they're saying if you focus in that 12-week period, you've got much greater control over what you're doing and you should plan for 12 weeks and not for a year. I was mentioning, after I'd read the book a couple of months ago, I was mentioning a conversation with someone and they said, oh, that's interesting. I had a meeting yesterday with an entrepreneur startup, very, very successful. It's about his fifth or sixth startup. This guy's supremely successful. And uh, my friend said, I asked him, you know, why, why did he think he was always so successful? And one of the first things he said is, I spend 95% of my time planning for the next 12 weeks. Yeah. He, so he works, very successful businessman. It's not that he doesn't have a longer term, but he spends a vast majority of his time planning for the next 12 weeks that he can control. So I think yeah. it's a, an interesting perspective, interesting different and perspective. And I think another element of planning uh, or forecasting and all the other good words that we've had up here is that... It's not a precise science, and it does rely on having to make some safe assumptions yeah. here and there. Maybe a few probabilities, 60% likely of getting the business, 70% likely. So you take the probability value of the pot, not the top line value yeah. of the pot. Yeah. Uh, I've worked with many a company that have gone into serious trouble when salespeople have put huge chunks of business in on a very low probability. And yeah. let's be honest, does any sales director really want a £5 million piece of business in the pot with a 10% probability against it? I would say no. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also as well is different organisations use CRM stage percentages differently. So some use it as a percentage of likelihood and others use it as a percentage of how far through the sales process it's in. So 80% doesn't necessarily mean it's 80% likely to come in. It means you're 80% through the process. Now, it needs to be that, defined. And it, it needs really? to be defined so we're very yeah. clear because it might be, well, we're 80% of the way through. We're now at a stage where we're, we're one of two people in the final process. So we've technically speaking, now got a 50-50, it's going to go to one of us. Mm. So at this stage, we don't actually know, but it doesn't mean it's 80% likely to come in. So no. I think it's got to be really clear when we're having conversations with salespeople and they're clear what it is, what it is we are talking about to make yeah. sure we, making sure we get that absolutely crystal clear. Um, and the, um, if I recall correctly, the accuracy of the average sales forecast is something like 46, 47%, which, by the way, is worse odds than uh, winning at roulette. So it would say that the average forecast is a bit of a gamble. So probably start to have some honest, open conversations with your people about the real reality they're facing. Stop playing games, and then you'll probably find they'll be more ambitious and, and yeah. <clears throat> the more The more bit. forecasting they do, the more accurate they will become. Uh, because you're quite absolutely. right when they then look back and think, well, how come my... 40 whatever percent probability didn't actually happen yeah. if it forces people to look at the reality of yeah. it. Exactly. I think the, the interesting thing about research on a people's ability to forecast oh, yeah. is that um, most people are really bad at it, Yeah, so you get less accuracy than the roulette. 
But actually, if you train people in forecasting, so the more you do it, the, the better you're going to be. But the crucial thing that the, this research that I looked at just a while ago about forecasting was that the people who do it in a group, together, face-to-face, are much more accurate than people who do it remotely or on their own. So if you if you if you ask your sales manager to you know or a product manager to forecast their where their sales are going to be in the year's time, they are going to be much less accurate than if they are doing it with a group of people face to face. And in these electronic times, we try and share stuff online, and it's actually much less uh, accurate than getting together face-to-face in a meeting and working it out. So the yeah. study shows that, that that really works. Other methods of forecasting are not very good. You need the, you need the challenge and the support. Yeah. You need a critical friend. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that, that makes sense because it's going gonna, it's gonna to sort of eliminate some of the cognitive biases yeah. that each person yeah. each person has and yeah. coming through. Yeah, get, get many, many heads together. Yeah. So, and also a great team building opportunity well, quite, as well yeah. for sales managers. Certainly. So, any any closing thoughts, gentlemen? No, I think um, all is clear from my good, point Good, good. Mr Jones? I would just like to say that there are plenty of interesting things coming up in the pipeline of programmes for the Sales <laughs> Chat Show. From the Sales Chat Show, yeah. And I would just like to leave you with the thought, have honest, courageous conversations at the heart of a, of a decent sales pipeline. So... Um, Stop playing games and have honest conversations about what is actually happening in the business and then you should be able to free your people from wasting time on uh, pretending things are different than how they are and get them out there selling. So thanks very much for listening, folks. been Simon Hazeldean, Graham Jones and Phil Jessen from the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com. ton of episodes in our uh, back library there for you to listen to at the saleschatshow.com website or from wherever you get your podcast, we will be there. So good luck, good forecasting and, of course, good selling. You have been listening to an episode of The Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at The Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. (laughs) 